everybody. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm the man that brought sexy back, Daniel Hummer. I'm here with the one that put it away in the first place, Doug Hummer. Yeah, and then I took it back away from you and gave it back to somebody else. And, uh, of course, of course, like always, uh, we are joined by our co-host, Clinton and Eric. What up? Hello. How are you guys? Pretty good. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. It's Friday. It is Friday. It's been a long week. We all got through it. Uh, now we're here to talk a little wrestling. We're here for the next War Drums, number six. We got to go back and do a tally of which one, which one, which week, Doug. Yeah. I'll put that on the to-do list. Uh, Raw versus Nitro. So we go back. The idea for War Drums, we go back, we watch each episode, and then we kind of flip and go in between each episode, talk about the matches and segments, and then at the end we say which one we like better. And we give a rating to it. Uh, and we truly kind of see who had the better product during the Monday Night Wars. Uh, this week's installment is uh, the edition of November 10th, 1997. Kind of stay on brand here. Yeah. And uh, the night after Survivor Series 97 and the whole deal with Bret Hart. That's important context for both episodes. Yeah. Uh, do we have workers of the week, guys? Because uh, I, I have mine. And he might be controversial, but... Oh, boy. Uh, I'll say uh, Samoa Joe. Okay. Because the heel turn. on Wardlow? Yeah, because of the heel turn. And he needs to be a heel. Yeah, Joe's a heel. He's a natural heel. He is. Yeah. He just has that face like, I'm going to eat you. Yep. All right. And I think that's going to be a good view, too. Mine's got to go to the young man, Logan Paul. Oh, boy. (laughs) For putting on a damn good WWE title match at uh, Crown Jewel. And he worked with the top dog, Roman Reigns. You know, he injured himself halfway through the match and kept going. It tore his ACL and whatever. That that spot from flying, even though he was taking selfies while he was doing it, uh, that spot from the the turnbuckle to the table, the distance he got and the turn he got, and the way like a lot of people fucked that jump up. Shawn Michaels has fucked that jump. Some of the greatest have fucked that jump up, and he made it look effortlessly and pretty perfect. He also did a uh, uh, hangman. What's hangman's deal? Uh, buckshot. He did the buckshot lariat better than CM Punk could ever dreamed of. Uh, CM Punk sits in his room alone with a, a bottle of Pepsi in the fetal position, wishing he could do a buckshot that way. <laughs> Took him three times against Hangman. He failed every time. Dude sucks. Uh, Logan Paul got it on the first try, and it looked effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, Logan Paul, better worker than CM Punk. Way better. <laughs> but... For what he did, I I will say that he's one of the best celebrities. Did the only issue that they've done so far is try to make him babyface because that doesn't make sense. Uh, but his in ring work has looked pretty damn good, and he's shown that he's got like he's one of the best celebrity wrestlers. Like him and Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny did really good. Logan's done really fucking good. Right. He's he's done better than like the Jay Leno's and the 
uh, Dennis Rodman's even. And Dennis Rodman looked good, but I'd put Logan Paul over him as far as celebrity wrestling appearance. Because you got to remember, too, is that, like, he actually had, uh, you know, he trained to do this. Yeah, and... Just like bad, uh, uh, you know, Logan Paul. Yeah, a little bit. Well, he went through the classes at the train at the performance center and all that. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like Bad Bunny did the same thing. They worked with him to make sure it was going to work. Uh, but we're talking like he made evented a pay per view yeah. and carried a match with the biggest guy in the company, and and made it look really fucking good and effortless and. I'm just, I'm like, like three matches in, that's pretty impressive. He looks better than Dominic Mysterio's ever looked. Uh, some of the young guys that are stay green forever and never pick it up, Logan has like outshined and shown a lot of potential. And tell me, anybody on here, tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm blowing it out of my ass. Because I, I honestly think, I watched that whole match and I was like, wow, this kid's actually got something. If he wanted to stay and do this, he probably could. It, I mean, it had all the theatrics. It had his stupid brother come out and, uh, you know, to everyday bro. I like how they kind of acknowledge themselves as, like, memes a little bit. Uh, so, quit fucking with my computer. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, and, yeah, I just I thought he looked really good. I thought the podcast host getting beat up was, was pretty good and entertaining. And I enjoyed it all. I really did. And I put Logan Paul as my work for the week. Eric, do you have one? Um, Brian Danielson. He had a good match with uh, Sammy on uh, Wednesday night. Two out of three follows. Yeah, he got pretty... He got busted up pretty good, too. Clint, do you agree with me or disagree with me about his match with Roman Reigns? I want to hear your take on it. I think the match honestly was better than I expected it to be. I expected it to be like one of those squash matches that this Roman is totally disposable. But it was very exciting to tell you the truth. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Do you uh, Hell yeah. Do you uh you got a worker of the week? I'll go say I'll go with um the Soraya and Paige and well Soraya and our uh, Brick Breaker segment on okay. Dynamite. Okay, so uh, and I do kind of agree with that because the promo was actually like really good. It was. It's working, right? Yes. Okay. Uh. But here's the thing, and I know Eric's excited. Uh, This match does nothing for me. And the reason why it does nothing for me is, to be honest with you, Paige really, to me, isn't that good. She's not as good as, like, a, a Sasha or Becky or even a Charlotte or, you know, like a Bailey. Paige was one of the original that came in, and I understand that. It was a big thing for the women's revolution and all that. But she never had, like, that wow factor. Uh, Big deal. She was getting beat up by her parents when she was 12 years old. So were half the kids we grew up with. Okay? So 
like to me, like Britt Baker, I, I'm sure the match is going to be fine because Britt Baker is one of the best out there. Yeah. But Soraya versus Britt Baker really does nothing for me. You wanted to do something for me, put it and make it a sex tape match. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> but because Soraya, excellent in the sex tapes. In the ring, not so much. Uh, wow. Okay. I do think some of her old work is actually pretty good. I do. I've seen her have some pretty good matches. I. I think the matches she had against AJ Lee were some of her best. Yes. When she had to work against the, uh, um, Queen of the Silicone, you know, Nikki Bella. That's when I think her work started to really suck. Well, I didn't hate that stuff. Honestly, I don't, because I don't fully agree. I do think she's had some really good matches. But I would kind of agree because I think since she's been injured, it, like Paige hasn't wrestled really in like four years, five years. Like she's kind of untested. We don't know if she's still good because ring rust is real. Yeah. Like I don't think you can really take long, long periods of time and come back great. I mean, Punk did look pretty good yeah. when he came back. I'm not going to lie. That's the one thing I'll give Punk. But his body couldn't hang. Yeah, and but that's also the thing too. You look at Brian Danielson had two years off. He was fine. He came back. Yeah, but that was Brian Danielson. Okay, uh, but but it was also just two Edge. years. Edge was gone for nine years. He had a really good Royal Rumble. Yeah, that match with but, Randy Orton was kind of lackluster. Though. Yeah, the last man standing match yeah. with Orton kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh and uh, HBK then, like, they did the thing where him and Orton had the, uh, dubbed the greatest wrestling match ever, which was done, which was dubbed that by some bitch who doesn't even work for WWE now. She spends most of her time sitting under a desk and blowing Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so her opinion really doesn't matter that much. Greatest wrestling match ever, that match sucked. So it took Edge a little bit for him to get back into ring shape. It's going to take yeah. Soraya or Soraya or uh, Papaya or whatever the fuck her name is a while for her to get back. In her, it's been five years. And I don't give a damn how good Britt Baker is. Yeah. All right. The match, in my opinion, is not going to be as special as everybody thinks it is. If I ruined your wet dream, get over it. Uh, well, you shit all over clinic workers of the week. Well, I like. Well, let's I did like the promo, and I like. like Alright, let's put it this way: you should come back for for how many years? The reason she was out was because that was nasty at a house show. She had to get Sasha back. And you don't think because because of Sasha back. Um, and she said that the first thing she did once she got clear was call Sasha Banks because Banks might think that Sasha really that injury Sasha calls the page that that match on that house show really weighs down on her. And I think that's probably one reason why Sasha the way she is so careful and not as carefree as she used to be. Wasn't she out like two years before that anyway, though? Well, she hadn't wrestled in a while because she had been technically dealing with neck injuries for like a year and a half prior to that. 
yeah, she was out for a long time, and she came back, and then that. Had, so, like, I'm saying, like, she hasn't had a really, like, good match in, like, six years almost. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I agree. She might, like, go out there, because I think you can, like, have ring rust and not be as good as you used to be, and that muscle memory's gone. She's not doing it every night on the road anymore. Or maybe it fits, like, I think it could go either way. Uh, I've just never been impressed with her work. That's all. Uh, that's all I'm really saying. Okay. Is that like everybody? No, I understand knows, what Doug's saying. Uh, we have the right to your opinion. Yeah, and that doesn't that yeah. doesn't necessarily make me make me right. All right, in my opinion, in my mind, it does. But like, and I, but I know like everybody's getting excited about it. It's like, oh my God, we're getting you know she's getting back in the ring. And, you know, good for her. You know, it is good for her that she's getting back in the ring because she was going crazy not being in the ring. Yeah. Okay? So good for her that she's getting back in there, and I think she's going to have a good opponent. But also, too, wrestling or Britt Baker's only going to get somebody so far. It's kind of fucked up after all WWE yeah. did for her, though, right? Like, I feel like WWE treated her pretty well. For somebody, for that, somebody that fucked up as much as she did. Yeah. Like, uh, they gave her the GM role for a while. They had her come back with that group. Like, like they had Paige they, do some stuff. Yeah, so. and, like, they had her manage, absolute, you know, Absolution for a little bit. They made a fucking movie about her. Yeah. They made the movie. Then, you know, she got to manage the, uh, the uh, Kyrie Sane and Asuka. Then, you know, yeah. they gave her the role on uh, backstage until Vince realized that, you know, until Vince actually remembered that Renee's married to one of AEW's top stars, so he canceled the show. Uh, and uh, so, like, they, they did a lot for her. But what she could not get over was the fact that she was told she was not allowed to be Twitch anymore. That's when she started. I'm serious. Really? She started souring on yes. the company when Vince mandated that you cannot do third-party, uh, you know, streaming anymore. Yeah. So, like, you had to – it had to be under contract. I mean, that like, was you, stupid. You couldn't yeah. do a Twitch stream. Like, your cameos had to be done through WWE. Like, like you could not collect money from that for yourself. Yeah. The money had to go through the company, and the company had to pay you for it. Yeah. And, uh, like, you not blame her for not being there I mean, wouldn't you feel the same way? No, I think, it was stu- I think it was a stupid rule. That, to me, that was the beginning of everybody realizing that Vince McMahon either needed to retire or they needed to find a way to kill him without getting caught. Well, yeah, because he showed how greedy he was. But, well, because that's why Selena Vega got released. Right, because of the OnlyFans. Yeah, because she released an OnlyFans, and she wasn't even. It wasn't even like fucking. It wasn't porn. It was her dressing up in cosplay outfits. Yeah. Uh, which you know, uh, some guys would probably use for porn, but uh, like she. But still, it was her way. It was just a way to make extra money. Yeah. All right, yeah. And it was something to do on the side. Because again, during the pandemic, you really couldn't do much. No. All right. 
And like also too, because there was also a lot of people that didn't want to work during the pandemic, even though Vince McMahon bribed the governor, uh, you know, to convince them to be, uh, you know, an essential business, which, uh, you know, wrestling should not necessarily be considered an essential business. But because, again, Vince McMahon is a greedy fuck, uh, you know, they, they continued on. Because Vince, if somebody told Vince McMahon he couldn't do something, so when he gets told he can't do something, he goes, well, fuck you. I'm going to do it. Donald Trump, uh, my wife works for Donald Trump. Therefore, I have pulled, pal. Yeah. And then, you know, he it turned out he was fucking a secretary, so his wife said, fuck it, I'm out of here. Uh, but... Yeah, so, like, but that was Paige's, like, or Saray's, you know, that was her big thing, is that she could never forgive the company for not letting her do Twitch anymore. And... That's fair. I mean, yeah, because I don't believe, because, again, I think it was a stupid rule. It just seems, it seems like a weird time now that, like, Vince is gone and Triple H, and people seem to like Triple H stuff and stuff. It just seems a little... But, you know, good for her. And, you know, and th- this women's divi- division, this women's division does need a jolt. So, <laughs> so as much as you might not like it, it is good, I think, for the women's division because now you got some star power. Well, and, and also, got, too, like a lot of the girls that were. This know, is a dream. Whether you like her work or not, this is a dream match for a lot of people. Well, yeah, and Eric happens to be one of them. So, but, but it's not necessarily, it's more of a wet dream match for there's a lot of people that thought she was really good in the ring though you can't deny that you can deny that you think you can think she sucks she you can think she's the worst thing ever but there are a good majority of people that think Paige can wrestle right and you know let them think that all right let them get a show and then tell me that they're wrong uh as a matter of fact, Eric can find them and have them be my co-host for the weeks that he can't do the show. Uh, I want to move on. Okay. Did everyone give their worker of the week? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Raw and Nitro. That is the reason why we're here, right? Yes. Okay. Not just so you can secure never getting a date. <laughs> By shitting on the whole female race. (laughs) Or gender, my bad. Uh, All right. Piss Klinathoff. (laughs) All he was trying to do was give a worker of the week, and he went on a 10-minute rant. Uh, I'm just kidding, bud. You're good. I mean, it's really going to hurt our chances of actually succeeding on NFL primetime together. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. Uh, you'll hash it out in the steam room. Yeah. So Raw's War, they're in Ottawa, Ontario, at the Corral Center. Uh, the current champions, Shawn Michaels, our world champion. Uh, Steve Austin's our intercontinental champion. Shawn Michaels is also the European champion, the greedy fuck. And uh, world tag team champions of the Legion of Doom. Yeah, Shawn Michaels is a European champion because he refused the job to Bulldog in uh, at uh, Wembley Stadium because he found out days prior that Bull- that uh, Bulldog 
was having an affair with Sonny, and Sean felt like he was the only one that was allowed to have an affair with Sonny. For the first hour of the show, our uh, announcers are Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. Your papa. Now, over on the other channel, on uh, TNT, right? Yeah. We have WCW Monday Nitro. We're in Memphis, Tennessee at the Mid-South Coliseum. Legendary building. Very legendary. Our world champions, Hulk Hogan, of course. Our U.S. champion is Kurt Henning. Our tag team champs are Rick and Scott Steiner. Our television champion is a young man named Perry Saturn. And our cruiserweight champion at the moment is Rey Mysterio. Our uh, our announcers, I don't know why the fuck that was so hard for me to say, but our announcers are uh, Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, and Mike Tanay for hour one. Heenan's going to come in in hour two and replace Zabisco. And on Raw, King's going to come in and replace James E, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we'll start we'll start with Nitro's opening segment. Which is the NWO coming out, talking a whole bunch of shit, and basically saying that Bret Hart is in the NWO. Yeah. And they sing Oh Canada, they have the Canadian flag. Well Bischoff sings it, everybody else just kinda of mums it and then Kurt Henning tries to sing. Yeah. Uh which of course is a prelude to a uh, gimmick he gets and <laughs> In a couple years. Crap is crap. Yeah. I forgot about that. No, but yeah. Uh, this is actually a lot of fun to me. Uh, and who's Nash talking shit about? The Giant? Yeah. All right. So yeah. Kevin yeah. Nash had been gone since like late September. He had arthroscopic knee surgery. Right. And Giant had been calling him out, basically saying how big of a pussy he is, because most athletes have arthroscopic knee surgery and are back the next week. Uh, well, Kevin Nash took about five, six weeks off. Yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, Kevin Nash hadn't technically worked worked an actual match from uh, September of 97 to January of 98. Is when he was supposed to work Starcade and was told he was going to do a job, he suddenly felt a heart attack coming. Uh, and then, uh, but what he really did was he just went back to his hotel room and jerked off to Shawn Michaels' Playgirl magazine. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, but that was the storyline there, and he called out the Giant and said, look, you know, if you want to fight me, you know, I'll be in World War Three," which Nash no-showed anyway. But, or no, he didn't no-show. He came out at the end. But, yeah, so that was the storyline. That was the storyline there. Okay. So, yeah, they were talking a bunch of shit. Obviously, Bischoff's excited. He's talking about how Bret Hart's in the NWO. This is going to set stuff up for later. They're and, and they're making yeah. jokes about how he's a knockout guy. Yeah. Because he punched uh, what's his name Vince McMahon. Yeah. And, and they're making a bunch of jokes about that. And uh, yeah, 
I thought this was a lot of fun. What did we think of this uh, opening segment? I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fun going back and watching it. Yeah, it was a cool opening segment. I mean, nobody really wants to listen to these idiots talk for like 10, 15 minutes. I don't know, man. I enjoyed the NWO's promos. I mean, I enjoy everyone in this. I mean, I can listen to this. Those drunk are great. I enjoyed, especially the commercials they did. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I thought they were good. Uh, they did drag sometimes, but what breaks and promos don't. Uh, yeah. Over on the other channel, our uh, opening segment is DX. And then yep. Shamrock comes out, and uh, Slaughter comes out. And Shawn Michaels talks a little shit about Bret Hart. He basically says who would pick a fight with a 50-year-old man or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he throws his jabs. And talks about him going down south and says, look, uh, just remember, the guys that aren't the old dinosaurs down south are my best friends. So if you bad talk me, they're going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Uh, which, like... Yeah, obviously Brett would bad talk him, but he would know better than to bad talk him in front of, you know, Hall and Nash. Yeah. Uh, the ironic part is Rick Rudwick in the ring, and then he shows up in the WWE the following week. Uh, he, I, he um, talks trash about Shawn Michaels the following week on uh, Nitro. Yeah, well, because he was also a friend of Bret Hart's. And uh, I'll say this, too. This episode of uh, Raw in Ottawa, Mick Foley no-showed. Yeah. All right? He refused to go to Ottawa because, like, there was a lot of guys uh, that pretty much they told – they called JR, like, the night – like right after the pay-per-view, they all went back to their hotel and they called him and they said, this is fucking bullshit. We're not going like, we're not doing the show. Like we're done. We're leaving. So, you know, Jr. calls Vince and says, just so you know, everybody wants to quit after what you did. And then Vince, I don't know if it was in if it was in Ottawa or the next night because they taped the the following week the next night. But he had a talent meeting with everybody, and he said, "Look, I understand you guys are all upset for what happened, and you all like, and most of you like Brett. You got to get the fuck over it. Yeah, because it's my company, and he would not put Sean over." Then I, I guess a couple people pointed out, they're like, well, just so you know, Sean's a prick. Yeah. And Vince, I guess, was along the lines of, well, he's our prick. Yeah. He's staying. Brett was leaving. Brett had our belt. Do we really want what Medusa did two years prior? Do we really want that to happen again? Yeah. Even though, according to, to Bischoff, Bischoff was telling Brett, whatever they tell you to fucking do, do it. If they tell you to drop the guy, if they try tell you to drop the fucking title, you're dropping it. 
You are not bringing it here. Yeah. But Brett, because, you know, Brett, you know, could get, all due respect to Brett Hart, you know, when he gets butt hurt, he gets super butt hurt. Yeah. He's a pussy. Okay. Yeah. Because Shawn Michaels said, you know, he, he had a conversation with Shawn Michaels, said, if they ask me to push yeah. you over, I'm putting you over. Uh, and Sean said, I appreciate that, but if they ask me to put you over, I'm telling them, fuck off. <laughs> and then, uh, like, and so, like, Brett just made it his mission. He's like, Sean's got to put me over first in order for me to put him over. Yeah. And it's just like, it, so the simple solution would have been just book a fucking tag match with Brett and Davey or Brett and Owen or whoever versus Sean and Hunter and Brett getting a win via like a small package or something. Yeah. So you could have done that. That could have been part of the buildup or whatever the fuck. You could have fixed it that way. You could have told Sean, it's like, get in there, do the fucking match, put the guy over. It's non-title. It's just a fucking tag. These two hated each other though. Yeah. So it's just like, just fucking do the job. No, nobody can, you couldn't just put, for some reason, you couldn't just put Undertaker in a room with both of them and have Undertaker slap the shit out of both of them until they agreed to fucking get along like adults. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have fucking, like, personally, like, if, if I were running a company, uh, and, you know, I had two guys that were not going to get along and it was going to ruin, like, my big pay-per-view match, I would find the biggest fucking guy in the locker room, give him a pipe, tell him, go in this room, I'm going to lock the fucking door, and you beat the shit out of both these assholes with this pipe until they agree to do the fucking job. (laughs) And if they don't agree and you end up beating one of them to death, we'll find another guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's illegal, but, you know, we, you know. It is illegal. It is illegal, but, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania, we actually just elected a state senator who believes in murder, so we're good. Uh, But it's just like, these guys, both Sean and Brett were just such fucking pussies. They were both. That's like, that's pretty much the moral of the story. It took me an hour and a half to get there, but. So Shamrock comes out, talks shit to him, says he's going to beat his ass. Sean and uh, Sean makes fun of him a couple times and does his like Sean's like immature promos around this time. Like I I know DX is legendary and stuff, but I just thought he looked like a fucking idiot. I really did. So uh, being doped up on Stoneman will do that to you. Shamrock, oh my God, he had the fucking charisma of a toaster. Yeah, baddest man on the planet, legit fighter, can beat the shit out of you. But this opening segment was rough. And, and he, here's another thing that I don't get. And I know Sean is or Sean Michaels is Eric's favorite, but does Sean not realize that half these guys in a shoot fight could beat the fucking shit out of him? Yeah, it was funny him talking about Triple H could knock you out. China could knock you. No, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. Shamrock would choke. If Shamrock and Triple H got in a legitimate fight, Shamrock would rear naked choke fucking uh, Hunter's head off. He's a real legitimate fighter, shoot fighter, again, uh, a phony. Now, no, I mean, it's real and it's 
the bumps are real and it's legit and it's fine. I have it under control, Doug. Stop. And, uh, but it's just not, he could beat the shit out of those guys. Triple H would not knock, he would, there's no universe where Triple H would knock him out. So, Shawn Michaels, you're a fucking idiot. But, uh, I, yeah, I just, and that was an idiotic statement to say. It was an idiotic statement, and it just, it didn't, Jive well at all. I think even Slaughter seemed very just dry on the microphone at that yeah. time. It was just they couldn't cut a promo. No, the promo like just the, the opening segment just kind of sucked. Nitro was a lot better. Yeah, Rick Rude was probably the best promo in that segment because Shamrock and Shawn Michaels is actually like an interesting deal, but they just didn't sell it well here for me. No, not at all. I agree, not at all. All right, let's get into opening matches. We'll stay on Raw, and we'll go into Mark Merrill versus Ahmed Jan. Oh, my God. The fucking shit. By the way, the match is made for the main event, Shamrock and Triple H, just in case. Just in case nobody's keeping yeah. score. Yeah. The fucking shit. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson and Mark Merrill. And the fact that, like, you know, he hit Ahmed with a low blow, <laughs> Where we could get him up for the TKO. He couldn't lift him. No. No. It was, it was, he botched it so bad. Terrible botch. Well, first of all, Ahmed Johnson's 315 pounds. Merrill's like 235. All right. And Merrill has never really been like a well built guy. One thing I did appreciate about the match was that the referee caught the DQ because that never happens. He caught him, punched no. him in the balls, and he disqualified him. And it's like, wow, that was well, actually... Merrill decent. had been getting away with uh, kicking and with hitting guys in the palms. Yeah, but it didn't work this time. The referee caught it. And good refereeing is something we never really see in wrestling. So well, was, yeah, because they're paid to look stupid. Yeah, and it's not interesting that way. But So th- it's not like the most interesting finish, but it's like, oh, it's something a little different. It's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, that's the only thing that uh, I liked about this match. I thought... I mean, that was the worst uh, TKO I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, Clintus, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, man. I'll, I'll put it this way. It was probably one of the worst matches I saw on you know, in a while. I, was, <laughs> I enjoy it. Hey. Go ahead, Eric. Oh, it was hard. It, yeah, it was horrible. They neither they didn't have chemistry. I mean, Ahmed shouldn't have won that match, but it should have been a it should have been a squash match in my opinion. Well, they weren't doing anything with Ahmed though. Yeah. Yeah, not at the time. All right. So now we, we're going back to Nitro. Uh, Gene Okerlund was talking shit again. He's saying that they have the juice on the whole Bret Hart thing. And all you got to do is pay $1.59 for the hotline. A minute. 
and uh, you can hear all the. A dollar fifty nine the first minute, ninety nine cents thereafter. Okay, okay, it's a deal. My bad. Uh, the either way, the year before it was a dollar forty nine, so they went up ten cents. No, I don't believe Doug ever did it. From what you were telling me, you weren't allowed. No, I was not allowed. How I, many pissed off parents uh, do you think fucking open their credit card bills to little Jimmy fucking just? Fucking dialing that shit in. If I somehow to... thought yeah. I could get away with it, like yeah. I would have, but unfortunately, when uh, you know, I'm sure mom would have been okay with me doing it, but you know, when dad is about as cheap as we are, yeah, uh, you know, my ass would have been fucking you know blistered. So, like, I wasn't gonna risk it. Yeah. Uh, I almost had Bobby convinced to dial the hotline for me one time. Really? Yeah. But then he was afraid of Nana blistering his butt. <laughs> uh, and she uses a cane. So. Uh, but no, like I like I wanted to, but then like it's just like well, you know, it it would it would have ruined it for me. Because, you know, I still kind of believed that wrestling was, you know, legit. For real? Oh, you were a fucking idiot, huh? <laughs> I was 11. <laughs> I knew by 11, huh? sure. I knew by, like, 7. I did fake it, though, for a while. Like, I knew, like, young, young, and then I just, like, I pretended kind of. Yeah. That it was real. I think we all did. And I would tell my friends, like, no, it's real, dude. All right, over on Nitro, the opening match is Harlem Heat in the Blue Bloods, which surprisingly, the Blue Bloods get to win here. And I think Taylor gets Taylor picked Stevie Ray, right? Yeah. It was pretty much to set up the fact that uh, Taylor and Regal were going to challenge the Steiners at at World War III. Still a big win for the Blue Bloods. Kind of an upset in my eyes. Yeah. What do we think of this? Yes, match? it works. I thought we were going to No, he can't. Booker, yeah, with Doug said, Stevie Ray is not. Stevie Ray could not. Uh, Stevie Ray, the only thing he could probably work is a street corner. He was god off. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't great. Booker T carried that team. Yeah. 100% did. 100%. I say Hall, he should have won. I was a Hall. Oh, yeah, they should have. I was surprised, but. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I was surprised too. I thought Harm Heat was going to go over. Yeah, your actual reaction was, how the. F- what the fuck? Yeah. It was kind of cool, though. I was surprised. Yeah. All right, after this, we have the Nitro Girls, a couple of hotties. And then uh, they show us a vignette where Perry Saturn beat the shit out of Disco Inferno for the TV title in his first match. Yeah. Uh, then we get Disco Inferno versus Chris Jericho. Interesting interesting match, I thought. Uh, didn't last too long. None of these last that long. Uh, well, yeah, because you want to do like eight or nine matches in a two-hour window. Yeah. So the, and that ends up like three minute matches, five minute matches. Yeah. Uh, you got babyface Green Jericho here, so it wasn't anything like special. 
But uh, no. it was it was interesting. It was interesting because you know the week before he beat Scott Hall. Yes. Who Jericho? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, well, because they were doing this thing where Scott Hall was actually, uh, he would wrestle guys, he would get overconfident, the guys would beat him, and then Hall would beat up the referees after, and then beat up the guys that beat him. But a lot of the times, though, too, Scott would, uh, Scott had the fight to do a lot of this stuff. So, like, when he wrestled Jericho that week before, Bischoff said, all right, just so you know, you're going over. Scott goes, why? He goes, what do you mean, why? Like, we're pushing you. That's why. He goes, give Jericho the win. I'll beat the shit out of him after. Like, just, but let him go over on me. It'll be a shock win, and then I'll come out, and I'll beat him up or whatever. Like, just let it go that way. And Bischoff's just like, that's stupid, because it's, it's just Jericho. He goes, yeah, but you should do something with him. Scott Hall's the same guy. He put over Hector Garza on Nitro, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I remember that. Okay? Because Scott Hall also believed that you needed to get the younger talent over. Yeah. Yep. He's one of the only NWL guys that believe that. Yeah. Um, and he was right about Jericho, too. So. Yeah. I think Scott Hall and Chris Jericho actually got along, like, really well. I mean, Nash, I think, or Jericho, I think, hates Nash. But, but Nash liked him, but I don't think the feelings are reciprocal. But no, because <laughs> you know Jericho appreciated what Scott Hall did for. Him. Yeah, yeah, of course. But getting to here with Disco, you're pretty much continuing the storyline of Disco cannot recover from Jacqueline kicking his ass and Halloween Havoc. Right. Okay. So he loses the TV title to, to Saturn. Now he loses to Jericho because also he can't get focused either. Yeah. So that's pretty much what this match was. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how I took it too. All right, overall Raw... We have Devin Storm, a young man who becomes Crowbar eventually, very green, against Takamichinoku. Eric, how badass was Takamichinoku back then? He was, he was like the Rey Mysterio of uh, WWE at the time. He was like the underdog, the, uh, the guy that you wanted to see wrestle because he, he could do everything, high-flying, he was pretty good in the ring. He was, he was very entertaining. I agree. You realize he just probably pissed off every Lucha Libre fan <laughs> that's ever like watched any Lucha Libre, right? And strong style Japanese, but uh, he what well, he did fit that underdog role. Eric's not completely wrong there. No, and I like Tom. Man, that's why I meant. I wasn't trying to compare those two styles. I'm styles. I'm just saying the underdog. But Taka was role. fucking legit, man. And yeah. Taka would, I mean, he would have been the cruiserweight champion and killing it in WCW, but he was fucking legit here. And just the way when Brian Christopher came out and he ran up on the turnbuckle and then 
and then jumped on him after yeah. the match too, after he finished business. Yeah. I was like, wow, Takuma Michinoku is kind of fucking legit. And his matches with Brian Christopher yeah. were actually really good. Yeah, if he had more people to work with, I think he would have more of a legendary name. I think they associate him too yeah. much with like Kayantai and shit. Yeah. And Fudnaki kind of had a little bit of more of a personality, so I think Fudnaki shined a little more in Kayantai. Yeah. That was a little more gimmicky. Yeah. Although, but when it comes to legitimate wrestling, Takamichinoku is really good. Yeah, but also yeah. too, like in 1998, when they paired him with Bradshaw for a little while, yeah. and Bradshaw was, was Bradshaw was trying to you know Americanize him, yeah, like by teaching him how to drive at all, yeah, <laughs> like that was fucking hilarious. That shit was funny. Uh, but also too, it's you have to mention that this is a light heavyweight. Uh, Tournament. Right. So, Taka, and I think, that, was this the semifinal or was this the quarter? I think it's the first the round, semi, right? The first round, this yeah. This is the quarter final. It was final. an eight-man quarter. tournament. All right. Quarter finals. So, like, but yeah, like with Taka, the, the problem is, is because Taka really couldn't speak English, like, at all. That's where the disconnect was. Yeah. So he could be really good, and he could wow you with the moves and all that. But in the WWF, you needed more than that. Yeah. Because the WWF really wasn't about wrestling. Yeah. It was Vince Russo made sure it was sports entertainment. Yeah. I Good. Uh. And then we come back, and Jim Ross is interviewing Goldust. And uh, Goldust keeps talking about Marlena being gone for 30 days, how he found happiness. And, uh, and then Vader comes out, and Vader beats the shit out of him for walking out on him on Survivor Series. Huh. And then we see Michael Cole with Bradshaw, and it, and it seems like uh, the... New Age Outlaws. I don't know if they had the name yet. No, they were just, yeah, they were called the Outlaws. Gun and Road Dog beat the shit out of his partner, Black Jack Wyndham. So right, because they were going to have that bunkhouse uh, match later on. So now, uh, Bradshaw's without a partner, and he's fucking pissed. Yeah, he kept saying two jackasses, and when Michael Coles is like, for some reason, he keeps saying two jackasses. <laughs> All right. Now, on WCW, we have Barbarian versus Glacier. Main event anywhere in the country. Glacier had way too good of a theme song for how much he sucked. Well, not theme song, but intro. Yeah, like the intro and all that. The snow. And what's funny, like all that theatrical bullshit, but like he just, he couldn't get over. Did you realize that like after he beat Barbarian and he was doing like his celebration or whatever... The crowd really popped when Ming came in the ring and put the death grip on him. Yeah. Well, Ming's awesome. Everybody. Well, first of all, Ming and Barbarian, I think, are one of the most underrated tag teams. I agree. Mainly because they scare the shit out of you. Uh, I'll never forget, you know, Kevin Nash tells a story about how there's the, the big three-way, the, you know, where Jerry Staggs and Scott Hall, you know, started beating the shit out of each other. And Staggs and Hall are having their problem. And Kevin Nash can't get to him because Ming and Barbarian have him trapped in the corner. Yeah. And Ming started taking liberties on Nash. And Nash looks at him and says, easy. 
Like, stop! Because uh, Ming is, like, really getting into it and all that. Yeah. And Ming hits pretty fucking hard. Yeah, he was stiff. So, like, and they're both going at him, and Nash is getting fucking pissed. So, Nobbs comes in and pulls Barbarian off him, but Ming is still going. That's funny. And Nash is getting pissed at Nobbs because Nobbs didn't pull Ming off. He's like, I could have handled Barbarian, but fucking Ming's the one attacking me. Like, that was, uh, like, I always find it funny because, like, Ming, you don't want to piss off Ming. Uh, you don't want to piss off Ming unless you're in your car and fucking speeding. I mean, unless he's in the car with you, then you're really screwed. But I mean, it was it was an okay match. I mean, Barbarian's not necessarily like Barbarian can work uh, his style. Yeah. Okay. If you can't work Barbarian style. The match is going to suck. I agree. But I, I think Glacier did a fine job, actually. This match did not suck. No, I was okay with the match. It was pretty good. It was all right. I didn't really catch my interest in tell you the truth. This is when I started lost lost interest in this show. Okay. Uh, next up, we have. Well, we also we go to Raven and Perry Saturn, uh, and Raven apologizes to Scotty Riggs, and because uh, Riggs goes to beat him up, but he can't do it, right, Doug? Yeah, like for yeah. some reason, like Raven has his power over Riggs. So. And then we have Alex Wright and Yuji Nagata. Oh my God! With Sunny Ono. Uh, if Alex Wright and Yuji Nagata were just out there by themselves, this match would have been fine. But uh, you have that idiot Sunny Ono, along with that other useless yeast infection, Deborah. Like, two of the most fucking useful, useless people on the fucking planet out there. And then, like, uh, to me, like, the match was the match was good, but there was too much shit on the outside between, uh, between Sonny and Deborah. Yeah. Sonny Ono kissed her. Sonny Ono's a player. Sonny Ono's an idiot. I mean, I hated both of them, so... Stuart a fan? No, not at all. All right. Yeah, I didn't love this match. All right. Now let's go back to Rao. Recon and Sniper versus the Headbangers. Recon and Snipers with the Truth Commission with the Jackal. The Headbangers have the DOA on their side and the Biker Gang. Uh, what do we think of this? 
I I love the headbangs. They were interesting, underrated. The the true commission I didn't love. But uh, here's actually a very a little unknown fact. You know those uh, just toy bendem figures that I collect. Yes. You know there was actually they were going to or they had made figures for uh, Kurrigan, Sniper, and Recon, but they were never released. Really? Yeah, they they were replaced with uh, other figures in a in a series. I forgot what series they were going to be, but uh, yeah, no, they were actually going to have figures for. But then you know, I think by the time they were going to be released, the kind of sniper were already gone. Right. So. But yeah, no, they were gonna get their own Bendem figures. Oh wow! I mean, Currigan got a Jax figure anyway, but uh, yeah, I didn't love I didn't love the match, but I didn't think it was bad either. No, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it's just, you know, recount of snipers just weren't that good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Back to Nitro. We're starting hour two, baby. Bobby Heenan's with us. We advise Zabisco. Aw. Uh, Hogan and Bischoff come back out. They talk shit about Sting. And uh, he said he's going to call out Sting Hogan later. Basically the... calls him out. Yep. Bischoff and Hogan need to be on the screen again, apparently. Uh, then we have the World Television Championship match. Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit. It was a good match, but unfortunately it really didn't have much of an ending because Finley came out, right? Yeah. Yes. Do they have another match after this? Or was this just a one-time match? They wrestled at Starcade. I know that because Benoit started a feud with the flock. Uh. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it was okay. It was a pretty short match. Uh, after this, we have Gene Okerlund come out. He welcomes Ric Flair, and they talk about Kurt Henning in World War III. Uh, but Flair also wants to talk about Luger. And, uh, he said Luger's number three in the town besides Flair and Elvis. And, uh, he talks a little shit, setting up the match for later tonight. Yeah, which, by the way, you're, like the match was technically set up because Lex Luger was about to beat Kurt Henning for the U.S. title uh, a week before. But when he had Henning up in the rack, Ric Flair came out and attacked Henning. And Luger was just like, you cost me the title. And Flair's like, yeah, so? I wanted to get Kurt Henning. So, like, instead of just fucking just slapping him in the fucking face, like like Luger should have, it's like, stay the fuck back there, you old fart. 
fucking moron. I'm not going to argue that. All right. And then we have a Cruiserweight Championship match between Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. This lasts about six minutes. It's not one of their classic matches. There's a couple botches in it, actually. Yeah. Especially the, the DDT off the ropes that Ray hits at the end. Yeah, which, by the way, he hit it perfectly in Halloween Havoc. Yeah. It looked more Eddie's fault, to be honest. But uh, I can't really tell. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was an all right match. It wasn't their best, but they do have chemistry. Yeah. When you see those two out, it's exciting. Yeah. And they well, do a lot of fun stuff. Also, too, you're in a short TV match. Yes. So, there's only so much you can do in, like, six minutes. I agree. Uh, but I thought for what it was, it was it was a little bit of fun. When you it was. All right. So, back on Raw. Do we not go to Clinton anymore? No, I've been asking Clinton, too. Then, like, we've gone through three segments. You haven't asked them. No, you're wrong. I just asked him uh, the last match, and he, he said that's when he lost interest a couple matches ago. Don't worry about it. We're, we're doing, in, in, we're doing okay. Barbarian, no, we're doing okay. Just shut up, all right? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> do, you have, do you have any thoughts on uh, the last Nitro match on Eddie and Ray? Uh, it was okay. Not, not one of the best, but, but I like the paper. The one he had the pay per view better than the one he had on Nitro. Was that one? All right, back to Raw. If that's okay, is yeah. that all right? Can we go back? Yeah. All right, let's go back to Raw. Uh, wow. Okay. We're just fucking back with you, to you Chuck. Me and Doug are gonna get in the octagon after this. Uh, so it leads to that. Uh, <laughs> now, when we come back, we enter the war zone. Lawler's in. Your dad's out. He had to go uh, take a nap. It was past his bedtime. And Stone Cold comes out, talks to Michael Cole. Rock comes out, challenges him for the IC title at some point. Rock talks a bunch of shit. But Steve Austin kind of like owns him on the microphone, which yeah. is weird, right? It's weird, but yeah. you can also tell that Rock is like just starting to find his niche. Yeah, he's almost. still a little green. Yeah. He's still, and he's making the cartoon faces, and it's kind of good the way he's reacting to what he's saying. And, and fucking Steve Austin's just kind of laying it into him a little bit and having fun, and the crowd loves Steve. Steve didn't get a huge pop, though. No, not yet. They weren't like they weren't necessarily sold on him yet. Well, also, too, remember, they're in Canada. Exactly. I think he, that's he, why. He beat a Canadian the night before. Yeah. And they just showed it. What I thought, yeah. So, no, I agree. Uh, but it was kind of cool seeing those two come face-to-face again. Yeah. It was, uh, and yeah, yeah, again, he's a Yeah. Then we had the Bunkhouse Battle. Oh, first, Los Barricos come in the ring and hang out while JR is interviewing Steve Blackman. The Barricos start fucking with Blackman, and he goes in and shows him why he's an American ninja warrior. Yeah. Uh, Clintus, what did you think of this segment? That was a good segment. Uh, 
Yeah, I was going to say it was a good set. Kept me entertained, but I think after, I think between the middle of beginning the war zone and then after to the main event, that's kind of when you feel like they could do something different to keep hold people's interest. It's like you, it's easily to you can lose interest in in these shows real quick. And that's what I felt felt like during like the third hour of um Nitro, and then towards like the hour ninety minute mark, it's like you need that one the whole pe- hold someone's interest until the main event, and this yeah was not it. I agree. Yeah. I get what Prince um, is saying. Yeah, because and here's the thing, and when Nitro went three hours, can you imagine if Raw was three hours at the same time Nitro was? And you have two three hour wrestling programs? That would suck. Okay. Because now like when Nitro went to three hours for the you know, two years that they did. It was very like in ninety eight it was like okay. Because 98, they were still kind of, you know, cooking on all cylinders. But, like, once you get to 99 and all that and everything starts to suck, it's just like, okay, you know, how the hell are we going to hold somebody's attention for three fucking hours? Yeah. I agree. It's not necessarily going to happen. Yeah, because also, and uh, this is another thing that we have to remember, too, is that you don't necessarily want to showcase the same people on the show every week. Yep. Like, uh, like I'll use Dynamite as an example here. You know, you're going to have one week where, like, your main event is going to be, let's say, Moxley defending the, the title against someone. But then the next week, you're going to have your main event going to be, like, Jericho and somebody. You're going to switch yeah. it up. You got to. I mean, you're still going to have almost the same people, like, probably, like, on the screen doing, like, a promo or whatever. But you don't want to necessarily have the same people in the in the ring every week. Yep, I agree with that. So, and that was Nitro's problem. But that's one of the reasons why Nitro went around and they hired so many people. Another thing that everybody has to remember is that from nineteen from like November of ninety five to probably about January February of ninety nine. Maybe even beyond that, WCW had a hundred people on the roster. Which I mean, by the day standards, not even that much, right? Yeah, because you know, well, WWE also more than that, huh? WWE's got more. Than yeah, that. well, also too, like, but they have people for different shelves. Well, so did yeah, but Nitro also had uh, Thunder. Well, not Thunder yet, but they had Saturday Night and Pro and shit. Stuff. Well, yeah, you had to use them for the different shows. So, like, if you only have a roster of like thirty people, and you have six television shows. That's not good. You're going to oversaturate your cha- talent because nobody's going to tune into every fucking program 
to see uh, Hogan or Savage or Sting, they were, in the main event every week. No. So, like, you had to have, like, on your Nitro, you know, you could have Hogan and Flair in the main event. But on Saturday night, your main event would have to be, you know, like, let's say Sting and Big Bubba. Yes. All right. On your Worldwide, your main event would be Ming versus Alex Wright. Mm-hmm. On your Pro, let's say Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko. Yeah. Main event would be Conan and Brad Armstrong. Yeah. All right. You have to differentiate and you have to basically, you can't have the same main event for every program. So you have to make sure that your talent does not get oversaturated, uh, which, you know, made sense for as many shows as they fucking had. But when Clintus says, okay, you know, you know, uh, you start to lose interest, it's just because it drags because you're getting match after match after match. And unless you're really into the guy that is, in the ring, which, like, I, again, no disrespect to him, but Yuji Nagata and Alex Wright, I'm pretty sure they probably had, like, a couple of fans, but nobody bought a ticket that night to see that, to see that particular match. Right. Okay? Exactly. Nobody bought a ticket to see Glacier versus the Barbarian. On the other channel, nobody oh, bought yeah. a ticket for the Truth Commission versus the Headbangers. Yeah. I mean, it, they're good fillers. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're not. That's yeah, but usually most kids' favorite wrestlers aren't the headbangers. Yeah. Uh, although to be honest with you, like that year, like Christmas that year, I got the headbangers like action figures. Yeah. I was fucking ecstatic. Yeah, that's you though. Like I would, I got the head, I got the headbangers, and I got the Godwin that year. Okay. That was like my favorite Christmas present that year. That was your shit. Yeah. Oh. Bunkhouse battle, Road Dog and Billy Gunn versus Blackjack. For something that was kind of like talked about all night, this didn't last long either. Last like two minutes, and pretty much Bradshaw took one shot, got pinned after he just like how Road Dog was seeing stars after. He was fucking them up with the chair shots. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. No, man. not at all. They were all. like straight head shots. And what scared me is he the way he was walking to the ring. I thought he was drunk. Yeah, it was starting to. He was pissed. It was starting to feel like, like legit, like attitude. He fucking hated you. Yeah. So. No, but I thought it was good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Clint, what did you think of this match? Oh no, it sucks. Okay. Not. not, not. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric, what do you, you think? <laughs> for, for about two minutes, I thought it was okay. I, I like the way that um, Bradshaw just murders through all both of them like it was nothing. Thank you. He just uh, like destroyed them. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a different side of Bradshaw I liked. Yeah, it was cool. Let's go over to the other channel for 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 a momento. Uh, where we see a promo of all these guys at a frat house, a couple chicks, not very many, uh, and they're having a nitro party. They're all sit, sitting in front of this small little fucking four-centimeter box TV, and they're fucking screaming at the top of their lungs, Go Nitro! 
I really wonder if these actually existed back in the day. Well, remember, it was going to start in 98, and they only did it for like a year. Uh, but they were like every like couple of months, they did, uh, they would send Mean Gene and the Nitro Girls to uh, to somebody's like, it, it wasn't even, they never sent them to a, somebody's actual house. It was usually just like college campuses. Yeah. They would send them there for a Nitro party. That's crazy. Like, because they would actually send, like, people, like, a Nitro party pack, but then, like, you'd have your grand prize winner, and they would get to host an actual Nitro party with Mean Gene and the Nitro Girls. I mean, it, like I said, it was ma- I'm pretty sure it was mainly college campuses. They were pimping Mean that, Gene that, di- that, that did it. Because yeah. I don't think they ever actually sent somebody to somebody's fucking house. So they're, what, in 99? Since no one was watching, they're like, fuck you and your Nitro party. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, they might have still did it for like the spring break and all that. Didn't Mean Gene have to be at Nitro? On on <laughs> why the fuck was he going to watch Nitro when he was on the show? Well, so here's what they did, right? Yeah. On the on the nights where they knew they were going to send Gene to the Nitro party. Yeah. Tanae would fill in for the interview. Okay. So today would do the interview, oh, yeah, and then right. Larry Zabisco would just sit out there. Zabisco and Heenan would just sit out there the entire fucking three hours, which Bobby Heenan did not like, by the way. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Right. But usually it would be today that would fill in for him. So next up we have Ray Trailer, which is formerly Big Boss Man, who was also formerly in the NWO, but he went... He got hurt, and then they didn't check on him, so now he's upset with them. Against Randy Savage, who this I thought this match was actually okay. I thought Randy looked pretty good when he uh, well, Elizabeth cheated. Ray was looking good. He was kicking some heavy duty ass, and then Elizabeth fucked him over and grabbed his big ass leg, which I don't know how that frail woman grabbed his big ass leg off the turnbuckle, caused him to land on his balls. And then Randy Savage hit him with about 15 elbows. Yeah, and then got disqualified. And after. then uh, Elizabeth, beautiful, one of the greatest managers of all time, maybe the original Dave, if you want to say. Terrible paint job, though. Yeah. Does not know how to use a bottle yeah. of spray paint to save her life. All right, first of all, these are two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yes. Or, you know, they were both at least in my top 20, right? Yes. I loved this match. You did. Because... I thought they both worked really well. And also, too, when the trailer hit Randy with a pretty gnarly chair shot, too. Yeah, he did. But I, this was actually my favorite match of the night. You like this? Yes. It worked for me, too. I thought it was pretty good. All right, Clintus, go ahead and shut up. I can't really because... Once you hit that NWO music, that's when that's what brings you back into attention. <laughs> so, so we yeah, got him I back. did enjoy. Huh? I said we got him back. <laughs> you 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 have to you bring your attention. So yes, I did enjoy this match. It brings you back, and then it's like, like my problem is with it though. I don't think they don't have like enough stars. They give the, the mid cards. They don't push the mid cards enough to like give you that whole. 
thrilling to make a great show. Like, everybody has their own storyline that you're looking forward to. It's just like, in the middle of the shows, it's more like you get this tell that it's made for bathroom breaks. And that's what, that, and that's what like, raw, the Raw and, both Raw and Nitro has. It's those bathroom yeah. break type of matches that you just turn the TV and you just know to come back 15 minutes later and it's going to get back good again. Absolutely. Now, over on the other channel, we have a a very heavy-duty interview with Jeff Jarrett, conducted by JR. Uh, He asked him if he feels he's underpaid, and Jarrett said, fuck yeah, I'm underpaid. Uh, This is before the whole Brett deal. So he asked him about Brett. He said he respects Brett, but he wants to beat his ass. He asked him some word association. Uh... But he, he also said when they asked him who's going to win the match Survivor Series, he said he'd be surprised if Sean doesn't win, which is kind of funny. Uh, the word association, Bret Hardy said dedicated, nation of domination, he said strength in numbers, dude love, mankind, cactus, jack, heavy beard, he said respect. Randy Savage, he said hardest working wrestler he's ever known, which is weird that he's asking about, JR's asking about WCW guys too, but it was also kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, the Legion of Doom, he said raw ability. Eric Bischoff, he said right place, right time, right wallet. Hulk Hogan, he said charisma mm-hmm. and intelligence equals success. Shawn Michaels, he said phenomenal athlete. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he called the tag along, which kind of explains why he's an AEW right now. Yeah. Now that Vince is gone and they told him to hit the fucking bricks, so he's an AEW. Yeah, and he gets replaced with Road Dog again. Yeah. Uh, him and Triple H, I don't think I've ever seen eye to eye, which is funny. Uh, and China, and, Jer- he, and Jared just shakes his head when he picks up China. <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, you didn't China. say anything about him. And it's funny because, you know, the whole uh, housekeeping deal later yeah. on in a couple of years. And uh, they asked him or JR asked him if DX is immaturity annoys Jared. He said as long as they leave him alone, he doesn't give a fuck. Uh, and he says, Shawn Michaels is one of the best in the world. But then they, they go away from that interview, and then JR asked Jerry Lawler a word association for Jeff Jarrett, and he said a star in the future of the WWF. How do you think that Jerry Jarrett's dick was, or mouth was still on his dick? That's why he said that. Him and Jerry Jarrett were really good friends. Yeah, so obviously he thought his son would be a star. And yeah. Memphis and all that, but it's like, Lawler, you're an idiot. Even though I love Lawler. Uh, then we go to Michael Cole with Butterbean. Butterbean looks like Bill Cosby for some reason. He's wearing a weird sweater. Uh, very nice Christmas sweater. And he does not look intimidating at all. And then Mark Merrill comes and talks really mean to him. And it honestly, it doesn't play well to me. Like, I know it sets up their match at the DX pay-per-view. But Butterbean, like, does not look threatening. He doesn't get in his face. He's like, what the hell, man? And he's got, like, a high-pitched voice anyway. Yeah, so it's like Mark Merrill just came out and bullied this fat guy. Yeah, he's like, just... don't look at my manager. And Butterbean's like, she's an attractive woman. Of course I'm going to look. <laughs> yeah, he's like, she's hot. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just, it was, like, it just... It would have been cool if Butterbean would have gotten his face, but Butterbean was, like, like very passive-aggressive. Yeah, he he was just like, why are you picking Not even me? aggressive, just passive. He yeah. just wouldn't do it. Yeah, he's like, why are you picking He was just a fat guy. Yeah, he just want to watch the show. And obviously, he gets the last laugh, but 
later on. But like just for this segment, I don't think it played very well. No, not it's at all. It's just like Meryl just came and bullied this big guy. And then Butterbee's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's stay on row and let's go Undertaker and Kama. Good friends. Both of these guys are in the, the BSK together. They ride together. They're boys. They're homies. Uh, this is a known contest at about 2 minutes and 19 seconds, and Kane comes out. Honestly, for Raw at the time, I think the Kane and Undertaker thing was the best thing that they had. On it the was. And it was the best thing that they had going compared to Nitro. The storyline was cool. Uh, I was fucking with it. I was. I popped when Kane came out. Now, I know you thought this Raw was really boring, but what did you think of this moment, uh, Quinnis? Well, again, when, when stuff like this happens, it brings your, your attention back to the show. Right. After 15 minutes. Yep. <laughs> and, and this I enjoy. I mean, the Undertaker King thing, with the whole taking or refusing to uh, will never fight his brother, yeah, it's like one of the best things they would have, they had going. And you wanted to see that story play out because you wanted to see that match. I agree. I thought it, I thought it was done beautifully. I liked the way it came out at the end, and it looked badass. I, I thought it was cool. Did you enjoy it, uh, Eric? Did it make you pop? Yes, I did. I don't know if it made me pop, but I, I did. I didn't do it. Okay. All right. Over on uh, Nitro, we get the Nitro girls looking hot again, and then we get Kurt Henning and DDP. Is this for the U.S. title, Doug? Yeah. Uh, it ends in a DQ, which I didn't really love the fucking ending, but I will say. When he went to use the belt on DDP, and DDP kicked the belt in his face, and it legitimately busted his. That was a gnarly kick. Like that was real, and it did. And like and it really busted him up, and you could tell. And he was walking away, his lip was all bloody and shit. I actually thought that looked pretty badass for it, a fucky finish. It looked kind of cool. It, it did. And yeah. first of all, I think DDP and Kurt Henning had awesome chemistry. Yeah, they were good together. I mean, I will say this. You know, you said about the Nitro girls looking hot. I know Kimberly was like the lead Nitro girl, but boy, did I really, I had such a huge crush on Spice when I was a teenager. You were a Spice guy? Yes. I was like, oh my God. She helped me get through puberty. Was Stacy there yet? I didn't see her. Was Stacy there yet? No, she didn't come in until 99. She was uh, never a Nitro girl, was she? Briefly. Okay. I said she was. Yeah, briefly. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, she de- she definitely definitely helped. Well, Spice did. Uh, Stacy but- helped me. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy and Tori Wilson helped my ass get through puberty. Kurt, I mean, yeah, I thought this match was pretty good. Did you uh, like it, Eric? I did. I thought it was solid. All right. Now let's go to the main event of Nitro. 
uh, there's a main event segment we'll get into after. But uh, Ric Flair and Luger. Luger hits the torture rack and wins, right? I think it was the DQ. No, it? I said, no, it, was, it was a DQ. Because Kurt with, Henning came out. With the belt, yeah. Right. And, and then he, he gorilla pressed Flair on the Henning, so Henning just started beating the shit out of it. Oh, no, that was cool as fuck. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. When, when he awesome. grabs Flair and he threw the old bastard at him, and then Flair's like, ah! He yeah, he's him just up. like, all right, fine, I'll beat the shit out of Kurt. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, actually. He just launched him out. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed. That. I enjoyed. That. I mean, I love. We we've given Lex his flowers on the show numerous times. I love Lex, and Flair. I know you're not a huge fan, and around this time he was kind of mailing it in, but he was still good, and he was still Flair, and I love him so. I thought this was really good. I enjoyed it. These two also had instant chemistry. Too. Yeah, they've had instant chemistry for like ten years so. up to this point. Did you did you fuck with this one? I thought it was okay. okay. It was a good, good match. Five out of ten. Mike tries it. Dennis, what nitro girl <laughs> helped you get through puberty? That's the problem. I didn't watch nitro until like until it actually came on a network. I was a WWE person. Like, I've never I, really can watched I guess the Diva. Huh? Can I guess the WWE Diva that could have helped? <laughs> Who was that? What's your guess? <sighs> I'm going to go Sunny. I'm going to say you're a Sunny guy. I was going to say Sable. Mm. See, I was more for Sable. Damn it. <laughs> Do I know my prime time co-host or what? <laughs> I mean, come on, we, 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 you have to go back to that famous like bikini match between her and she just shows up with her hands tattooed. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that was that was maybe the best moment in television history. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh I mean, I was going to be an ass and say Luna Vachon, but... <laughs> See, then I want to stab you. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we lost our two uh, female fans. Let's move on. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Ken Shamrocks in the main event of Raw. Now, this match actually is pretty good. Yeah. Except for there's no fucking finish. Yeah. I mean, apparently Helmsley got the three count after. No. Uh, they recapped it, I guess, on the next week of Raw, because I read the show, or I read the results from that, and uh, Shamrock kicked out. Okay. Uh, but it, it was okay. It was an all right main event. The ending sucked, because it didn't... It was still... The action was going on. Yeah. And it just stopped. So... Yeah, that was they our ending. I didn't believe in an overrun yet. That was our ending of Raw. Did anybody really like this or is high on it? Or I, It was okay. No, the it was okay. The match wasn't bad, but yeah. yeah. It could have been better. I agree. Yeah, uh, they could have showed the actual fucking finish. 
Now we go over to Nitro, and the ending to this I thought was tenfold better. I thought it was fucking amazing. Uh, of course, we get Hogan and Bischoff again, and they're talking shit. For the third fucking time. Okay, third time. Yeah, I would uh, say, wait, they, they were just on, like, they were on every hour. It had me dying, though. It did have me dying when Bischoff was like, because the crowd's like, we want Sting. And he's like, yeah, we want Sting. We do want Sting. And then Sting comes down from the rafters, and Heenan's like, there he is, or some shit like that. He's like, you got him. Yeah. He's like, you want him, you got him. And he's just like, Heenan, I mean, he's known as the greatest, like him, he is the greatest color commentator of all time. Yeah. I love Jerry Lawler, but I think Heenan takes the cake. Uh, I think JR is probably the best play-by-play. Not now, but back in the day, JR. And uh, back in the day, uh, Heenan's probably the best play-by- or color guy. Because he's just fucking amazing. And when he gets passionate, he's really into it. It was so good. Even when people said he was mailing in it around this time, I thought he was still amazing. So he... Like, he, he really made this. Sting comes out. Sting throws the bat down. Stupid fucking move. And then fucking, uh, obviously... Savage, Savage was the first one to ro- roll in, right? Yeah, Savage comes in. Then the rest of the NBO, and they beat the shit out of him, of course. Because that's how it has to end. Well, that end, too, they were going to... Because technically, you don't need Sting to come back. Because they still have to build for World War Three. Yeah. Sting doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be around until the Starcade build. Yeah. So, and plus, you know, they were saying about how he was going to be in a movie. So, you take a couple weeks to promote that. And then after World War III is over, then you come back and you start your build for Starcade. Yep. So, they didn't necessarily need him to do all the, you know, the stuff for... World War Three because he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be in it. I agree. So it, it made sense for a storyline standpoint because to be honest with you, you really don't need to build Starcade for like seven eight weeks. But it is it is something to get the fans excited that Sting's there. Yeah, because he was a hot commodity. He was, but then like you know he's gone for a couple weeks and now people start to miss him. Yeah. But then when he comes back, which he actually came back uh, on the Nitro that aired, you know, when they did Nitro for the first time in Buffalo. Yes. He came back in that. And I, I remember him doing that because, like, he came out. Well, he didn't come out in the first segment, but uh, Ray Trailer wrestled Conan in that first segment. And then the lights went out and then Conan was unconscious with yeah. a sting mask over his face. And then Savage got attacked later on, and then Sting finally came out and attacked the rest of the NWO at the end of the show. So, but you know he was gone for about four weeks because then you know you could focus on all the other stuff. You didn't have to necessarily because then Hogan really didn't need to be there either. I agree. Uh, and it ends with Hogan looking into the camera and declaring that he's God, and then he like drops him. And yeah. Uh, so that's the ending. So now that SmackDown's about to start, so we'll finish up here. Uh, Raw and Nitro, we're we're all going to go. We'll give our final thoughts, give our summaries of each show, our ratings, and then say which one we like better. I'll start. I thought Raw was kind of dull. I thought it ended. I thought it started and ended on a shitty note. I thought some of the filler was decent. 
I do like the Shamrock Triple H match. I thought it was pretty good. I thought, it, but on a show where a Jeff Jarrett interview is one of the hottest points, uh, maybe the show wasn't that good. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't, buy, I thought the interview was good, and I thought the best, the match of the night for me was Devin Storm and Taka Michinoku. And I didn't think Devin Storm looked that good, but Taka kind of carried it. And uh, yeah, there was some decent filler on here, but it wasn't, it wasn't like what you would think for the post Survivor Series when Bret Hart got screwed. And I thought that the whole Bret screwed Bret shit was on this one. It wasn't. Uh, I think I, Eric thought that too. That's why he picked it, right? I think we all thought it. Because uh, that's kind of how it's always been explained in history. But maybe it yeah, was the well, week it was after. Done like yeah. A, yeah, but it was done like a week after. Yeah. So I thought it was an all right Raw, but as a whole, I would give the Raw 5.4 out of 10. Okay. I thought it was it was decent, but it it was just, just above mediocre. Whereas Nitro, I thought, opened pretty – the opening was all right. It got you sort of excited, and it made you think about Bret Hart, and, oh, maybe he's coming to WCW. Whether you believe he's in the NWO or not, and the commentators shoved it down our fucking throat the whole time, but I thought uh, it was an all right opener. I thought some of the matches were really good. Obviously, the highlights were uh, Luger, Flair, and DDP and Henning, the last two. And uh, Savage and Trailer was great, too. Guerrero and Eddie, you had some good filler on there as well. Uh, but the, the, the main event segment I thought was really good. It had a very passionate, it, it left on a passionate, intense note. So, uh, I would give the Nitro a 7.5 out of 10. I thought it was one of the better, uh, I don't know if it's one of the better Nitros out there, but I, I thought it had more panache, more kind of, you know, spectacle about it than the Raw did. It seemed to mean more to me. It, it, it kept me more immersed throughout the whole time. So I go 5.4 and 7.5. Uh, Eric, I'm going to pass it to you. I give I give Raw a 6 out of 10. I thought it was good for what it was. I thought there was going to be more more to this. My thoughts comes up, and I remember I thought there was, I thought they were going to emphasize that more, but they didn't, but um, Nitro, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I thought Nitro was slightly better. It had, it had me more interested. All right. All right. Uh, for Raw, I want to give it a 4.5. It was real. Besides the whole beginning and the end, it was really nothing there that really wanted to make you want to and the Stone Cold Steve Austin pr- promo, it was really nothing there that wanted to make you want to sit there and watch it for the whole t- two hours I was on television. Compared to Nitro, where yeah it had its ups and downs, but it was it kept it had like a happy medium to the point that you can, if you just get past a little slow stuff, it picked back up again and kept you. It's found something to bring you right back into when you just started to lose interest. So Nitro, I'll give um, an eight out of ten. All right, me. Yep. All right. Finish this off here. Raw gets, or for me, Raw gets a five out of ten. Okay. Uh, 
Devin Storm, Takamuchi Noku, really good. They had some really good talent on the show. It's just unfortunately some of it just they didn't mesh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you, Jerry Lawler was throwing a lot of jabs at Brett joining WCW, and that, that was kind of cool that he was mentioning that. But it was it was okay. Nitro, I give an eight out of ten. Because you had some really good matches. The last three matches on the show really picked the show up. It did. When it looked like it might drag. And there was a title change. And there was a title change. So that that, w- that was good. All right. I think a lot of people that were on the show worked their asses off. Yeah. I agree. All right. And the ending segment, even though the heels got over, it was what needed to happen. Because you needed to have Sting show some vulnerability. Absolutely. Okay. So that's why it gets an 8 out of 10. I think I won the week. Absolutely. All right. So we all seem to pick Nitro over Raw this week. We'll go through the tally and tell everybody next week what the official score is. One day when we're all old and gray and rocking chairs, sipping our whiskey, we're going to have gone through all these Raws and Nitros. We're going to be incredibly satisfied. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Make sure to check out the Wrestling Outlet every Wednesday and then Saturday for the Hollywood Hangout. Make sure to check us out at 6.30 p.m. for uh, Unscripted Wrestling. Hopefully you're here right now. Hi. Uh, may, make sure to check out Unscripted Unlimited. Tomorrow, Eric and Doug are going to be talking about the movie Major League. Yes. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sunday uh, for the Stabcast, me and Mindy are going to be talking about the horror movie Grave Encounters which is a really good ghost movie uh, and kind of a riff off, uh, you know, ghost adventures and Zach and all that. So if you're into that, I think you'll like this. Uh, and then Monday, me and Bobby are back for the web cave where we're going to be doing uh, another superhero face off. I'm going to be defending uh, Wakanda black Panther uh, going against Bobby talking about Iron Man. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Doug will be there judging. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Make sure to check out Sean, our buddy Sean, Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch. And uh, Eric and Quinn's show, the hard hits, the old NFL hard hits. What what day of the week are we doing it this week, gentlemen? Wednesday. Probably Wednesday. Then, or, I have, I think Thursday. I mean Wednesday. All right, Thursday. Make sure to check out. These two handsome gentlemen for the Hard Hits program where they keep you updated on the NFL and maybe talk a little shit about the old Buffalo Bills and send Doug into cardiac arrest. So, hey, they deserve it this week, y'all. They, they, they do deserve it. Get, uh, <laughs> hey, and I agreed with you. When I was doing the show last night, I agreed and it was okay. Uh, you didn't cry? No, well, I mean, I cried when they lost last night. <laughs> No, they they no, they had every right to say it this week. I agree. Uh and with that being said, this was a lot of fun guys. We'll see everybody oh, next week. Uh next week, next Friday night, Eric's not going to be able to do the show. Okay. Uh but how about next uh Friday night we do a Survivor Series team tier list. I'm down. That sounds like a lot of fun. Clint uh, Clint, if you're able to do it, you in? Yeah, I'm in. All right, cool. All right. So we'll see everybody next week. This is a blast, guys. Uh, Peace out. See ya. See ya.